to join us this evening. And of course, we're grateful to TorahWeb uh, for presenting this evening's shear as well as servicing our neighborhood and bringing in uh, Rosh Yeshiva during the course of the year as well. It is our uh, greatest pleasure to be able to welcome Rav Shechta to, uh, to our neighborhood and to our shul and uh, gives us the opportunity to express our Koros HaTov uh, on behalf of many of you and certainly on behalf of my colleagues and myself for his uh, ever readiness and his ever availability to us at any time to respond uh, to our questions and to give us guidance and it's one of the great uh, blessings that our uh, community has uh, and uh, we're grateful to Rav for the strength that he provides to Rav Shechter to be able to uh, always be responsive and to teach us and uh, to give us shurim. In the uh, past few weeks we've been referring to Torah as a shira, as a song and uh, one of the individuals who represents that notion of uh, Torah being a song whose shiurim are a beautiful song the way that they weave together different parts of the Rebbe Torah different aspects of his Torah weave together his own insights and the insights of, of the Rav they weave together the, uh, the esoteric and that which is so practical and presented in a way which is uh, so easy to listen to and uh, gives us such great insight so that uh, we can see all of that in the Shi'urim and the Torah of Shechter and therefore once again it's a great pleasure and with great gratitude that I uh, present them to you this evening <coughs> thank you very much I apologize for my sore throat and for the loudspeaker. Okay. Um, one of the participants tonight asked me to mention, I don't know his name, he has your site tonight, so he asked that we dedicate the learning in memory of his father, Rabbarim Rav Tzviha Kohen. In uh, Parshas Nitzovim, we just read a few weeks ago, Hanistaros Lashem Alakeinu Vahaniglos Lon Ulvaneinu Adolom the Tanoim seem to have had two different levels of understanding in this Pasuk and we use both of the levels uh, on Yom Kippur we're going to recite the Vidui and we say Al-Chait and Al-Chatoim Shanachayom Aleim Oilam Al-Chatoim Shanachayom Aleim Chatos and so on then we say Al-Mitzuseseim Al-Mitzusloiseseim Be'sheish B'kumaseim Be'sheim the Averis that we did that we are aware of and the Averis that we have done that we are not aware of those that we are aware of we have already recited Vidui those Averis that we ourselves are not aware of that we have violated so we mentioned this post give us a break you should forgive us even though we don't know to say Vidui on that on those other so in in the context of that passage in the Vidui we are assuming one level of interpretation in the Pasuk that Hanistoris Vahaniglos is a contrast between the Averis that we are aware of those are the Niglos our Averis that we are aware of as opposed to the Averis that we know that we are not we ourselves are not aware of but then Rashi in his commentary on Chumash has a totally different interpretation of the Pasuk based on the Gemara in Sanhedrin the Gemara says 
Aniglos is referring to Averis that other people do. So if the other person does an Aver, which I'm aware of, so that's Aniglos, Lonol Vaneno Adoelam, La'asos. La'asos means to pressure the other person, to force the other person to do the mitzvah, not to do the Aver, as the expression appears in the Talmud. Kodol Hama'ase Yosem Min Ha'ose. The Gemara says the one who gets someone else to give tzedakah deserves more reward than the one who gives tzedakah himself. Yeah, we understand why. Go shnorah money from someone else. He said, I'd rather make a check for $500. Go shnorah $10,000 from someone else who wants to ask them for money. So the Gemara says the one who chapters someone else, the one who's a nudnik at best, and he gets someone else to give tzedakah, Kodol Hama'ase Yosem Min Ha'ose. More than the person who does himself. So La'asos is often used in the Hebrew language to pressure someone else to do a mitzvah. So that's the second level of interpretation that the rabbis understood in this Tosik. If I see that someone else is doing an Aver, I see that someone else is not performing the mitzvahs properly, it's my responsibility, it's our collective responsibility to see to it that the other person shapes up and keeps the mitzvahs properly. Anistaros, if he does an Avera, he doesn't do things properly, and I'm not aware of it, so Lashem Olakeinu, that's not my responsibility. HaKadosh Baruch will have to see to it, uh, will handle with him. But if it's a Niglos, if it's something that's done in a, a public fashion that we are aware of, so that's our responsibility. And the Gemara understands from this passage, the principle of Kol Yisrael HaRevim Zedbezeh, that we all have a responsibility towards each other. It's interesting, and the, uh, the Rambam was not the first, and he was not the last to make a listing of the Taryag Mitzvahs. He wrote a Sefer HaMitzvahs. So before the days of the Rambam, the Goonim uh, made listings of what they considered were the 613 Mitzvahs. The Rambam disagreed with uh, many of the Mitzvahs that they counted in Al Biyatev Tachtuch, and then the later Mephoshim disagreed with many of the mitzvahs that the Rambam listed, Kedaka Shalter, the big pilpul. So in the, in the Minyan HaMitzvahs of the Gaonim, there was a, an interesting idea that several of the Gaonim counted as one of the mitzvahs, the Brachas HaKlolos, the Hagarizim HaHarezo. So it's very strange. Brachas HaKlolos was once in the history of the world. You don't count a mitzvah unless it's Noig Ledoiras, a mitzvah. Moshe Rabbeinu was came in that harem is matcha alayam of kohayu. Lift up your uh, your cane and accomplish kriyas yamsus. So the Rambam says, "What? I'm going to count harem as matcha alayam of kohayu." It was once in the history of the world. You don't count that. The Rambam says you don't even count mitzvahs that were noeg for forty years in the in the midbar, not to leave over the month till the next day. These are hayroa sure, but certainly if a mitzvah only applied once. So why did the goyim count the, the mitzvah of brachas aklolus ahagriz maharevo? So Rabbi Rucham Perla writes in his commentary on, um, on Rav Sadi Goen's Sefer HaMitzvah. Rav Sadi Goen wrote a poem which uh, contains a listing of the 613 mitzvahs. But the poem is so pikitzer, you can't really understand it. So this uh, brief poem that could be printed in two or three pages. So Rabbi Rucham Perla printed three big fat volumes the sizes of Boba Basra. And he gives a long commentary on every line in the poem which mitzvah is he referring to and why he counts this mitzvah, why he doesn't count the other mitzvah. Whole, he made a whole uh, study out of this poem. So he has very interesting uh, comments there. So among the various comments, he points this out. Those Gaonim who decided to count Brochus and Klaus and Hagrizim Harevel as a mitzvah obviously were counting this topic, this theme of Kolisola Revim Zedbezeh. The Talmud tells us that the principle of Orbus, that each Jew has responsibility for all the other Jews, only began after the Brachas of Klolos of Hagrizim and Harevel. 
The Gemara has this principle of Orvus Kolisola Rebimzebeze applies both with respect to Mitzvah's essay and, and with respect to Averis. With, with respect to Averis, if someone else is doing an Avera and I just walk by and I don't do anything about it, I don't speak to him to try to get him to stop doing the Avera. So the Gemara says that that's Farechent is my Avera and I will be punished for it. Not only will I deserve punishment for not fulfilling the Mitzvah of Hochech Tachir Chasamisech, I didn't give Tachacha, it's considered as if I had done the Avera to a certain degree. It's considered my affair based on the principle of Arvus. And the Gemara has the famous comment on the Pasuk in the Teichachim, where it says, The simple reading of the Pasuk sounds like it's saying that the, the enemy will be chasing after the Jewish people and Jews will be running away. And they'll be running in such a haphazard fashion they will stumble over each other. They'll be falling over each other's uh, bodies. So the Gemara has an additional level of interpretation. That's the Pshut Hashem Mikra. So the Gemara has an additional level of interpretation. That some of the people will be punished because of the Averis of the other people. That this is based on the principle of Kol Yisrael Arevim So that's in the area of Averis, in the area of Loises, if you know the principle of Kol Yisrael Arevim In the area of Mitzvah so we also know there is a principle of Kol Yisrael Arevim uh, those of you who are Hasidim, and even those who don't uh, realize you're not Hasidim, but a lot of times you say whatever is printed in the Siddur. So in the Siddur it has before, uh, and many Siddurim has before you observe any mitzvah. They say, I'm preparing myself to fulfill the following mitzvah. And then you conclude that paragraph, B'Shem Kol Yisrael. The Nadib Yehuda has a famous tshuva, where he quotes the Pasuk from yesterday's Haftarah. He has his whole attack against the Hasidim. Um, and you know, the, the, printers, uh, the printer didn't have the heart to print it the way the Nodi Buddha wrote it. So he printed the Pasuk the way it says, So the Nodi Buddha had a complaint to the printer. What did you do? I took Poshlam and I changed them into Hasidim. You took Hasidim and you changed them into Poshlam. What did you do? But, uh, it was a nasty comment that the Nodi Buddha wrote. He has his whole shuba where he attacks the reciting of the Shem Yichud. He's not happy with the Lashem Yichud because of the beginning of the Lashem Yichud. He says, the Gemara says in the beginning of Zohar, whenever you do a mitzvah, we assume Stama Lashma. You certainly have a mind, Lashem Mitzvah. What do you have to conjure up in your mind? Kavonas, Machshavas. Of course he's having a mind, Lashem Mitzvah. So what do you have to say? Of course, it's self-understood, it's not necessary. But he didn't have any complaints about the last phrase. The last phrase, Taka, is important. Lashem called Yisrael. When we fulfill mitzvahs, when we put on tefillin in the morning, when we put on a talis, when we shake a lula, when we sit in sukkah, when we say kriyashma, whenever we do any mitzvah, we're doing it on behalf of all of Klavisot. This should be farech and desus for all of those Jews who are not liking tefillin. In a certain sense, uh, another member of Klavisot has put on tefillin and has helped them fulfill a mitzvah partially. It's a mitzvah shevagufo. They're not fully yoytzeh by the fact that I put on tefillin. They have to eat matzah themselves. They have to listen to the Kiyoshev for themselves. But the fact that some Jews are fulfilling the mitzvah is farech and does for the other Jews as well. We have this principle of Kol Yisrael HaRevim in the area of mitzvah sesei. Every Rosh Hashanah, we rely on this. <coughs> After we daven in the shul, so somebody goes to the old age home, or someone goes to the almoners, or the, or, or the sick people, uh, in the hospital, and he blows shoifer for them. Knew the fellow who blows shoifer in the hospital, the fellow who blows for all Yalmanis, he already was Yetzir to give shoifer. So the Gemara raises an objection. How can he be the, serve as the Baltakeya to be Moitzi, the, the sick people in, 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 the, 
and and uh, whatever in the old age home, the Mishnah says, "Mishenim b'chuyi b'davar ene moitzi asar abi midechay vosam." The one who is moitzi others has to be obligated to fulfill the mitzvah. So let's say if a woman is the best uh, baltake in the community, so the din is that she can blow for herself, but she can't blow shofar for the men. Because the men are mechuyiv, the women are strictly speaking. If they don't want to, they don't have to hit kiyah shofar. They're not mechuyiv. They volunteer it as an enim and silvaviyos. So the Mishnah says that one who's not mechuyiv cannot blow shofar to be mighty someone else who is mechuyiv. So the Gemara raises the objection over here. If I already was yitzit kiyah and shul, so how do I blow shofar later on to be mighty the people in the old age home in the hospital or the almanis who, who are uh, at home? I'm not mechuyiv anymore, so how can I be moitzi then? So the Gemara says, no, that's the halacha. Yotza moitzi. Even though I was yotza the mitzvah, I can blow shayfer again a second time on behalf of those who didn't get here to give a shayfer. So Rashi and all of Rishonim say that the reason why there is such a principle of yotza moitzi is because of this klal kolisol arevim zebezeb. That calls man that there's still a Jew left in the world. Who did. There's a Jew in New Zealand who didn't hear to give a yet. So it means, even though I was yotza la mahadrin, then I'm a I heard all the possible... Sheetas, I heard all the sheetas of Kiyo Shoifah, I was Yetzi, everything. I'm Yetzi 90%, 95%, but I'm still a little bit left. I'm not fully Yetzi Kiyo Shoifah. As long as there's one Jew in the end of the world who didn't hear Kiyo Shoifah yet, it's considered as if I'm still Mechuyibadovah, if that'll help that other Jew. So when I blow the second time the Tkir Shoifer, I'm blowing really to be Maitzi myself. I have to, I have to hear the Tkir. That's what the Abne Nezer points out in his Truva and the Chazanish and others pointed out. When I blow the second time, I can't put plugs in my ears. I have to hear the tzikiyas that I'm blowing because I'm being yotzi a second time. What do I mean being yotzi? I was already yotzi. What do I have to be yotzi? No, I'm still mechuyiv to hear tzikiyas if it'll help some other Jew. So if it'll help another Jew, they'll listen along while I'm blowing shayfah, shamea koina. So then I say, yotzi moitzi, I'm still considered mechuyiv adob. So there's a famous uh, tshuva in the Shagasarye where he interprets he has a Rashi and Rosh Hashanah and a Rashi and Brachas and he puts together a whole fantastic binyan. The Rashi's opinion is that this whole din, Yotza Moitzi, that one who already was Yotza the Mitzvah can repeat it a second time on behalf of someone else who wasn't Yotza yet. This is only with respect to Mitzvah's the Rabbana. It doesn't work on the level of Mitzvah's the Rice. So we don't follow that Shagasari. Klal has not, never accepted the opinion of Shagasari and this matter. We do it all the time, every Rosh Hashanah. The Baltakeya who blew in Shul was Yotzi already. He goes again to the old age home. He goes to the Almanis and he blows for them. First day Rosh Hashanah is their right. Second day Rosh Hashanah is only the Rabbanan. But we don't, we don't, we don't follow the Shagasar. We're not even Choshish for the Shagasar. We hold that Kol Yisol Arabim Zebazan means that as long as there's one Jew left in the end of the world who didn't fulfill the mitzvah yet, it's still considered my obligation. It's not some, I have an obligation to take care of him. That's not called Mechuyibadova. It's still considered as if I'm obligated to hear the tzikiyas again, if that will help another person to hear it. <coughs> this is a fascinating comment, fascinating uh, understanding uh, of the principle of Koli Sola, that it's my obligation. There is a comment that's made by the Talmud Yerushalmi in connection with the Pasuk Lo Sikom Sitar, as B'nei Amecha, we're not permitted to take revenge from each other. Why is that so? So the Yerushalmi gives a Moshe Lama if a person, let's say, is uh, cutting a challah, and by accident he's a right, he's cutting with his right hand, by accident he cut uh, one of his fingers on the left hand. So would the left hand ever think of taking the comb and slapping the right hand? Why not? Why not take the comb? So the answer is, what do you mean? It's ridiculous. It's all part of the same person. It's all part of the same organism. What, what shot that one organ should take the comb from the other? 
So the Talmud Yerushalmi says that's the pshat in the pasuk. Lo sika v'lo sita as b'nei amecha, but not permitted to take nekama, or even to have netira, even if you don't actually take nekama. Why? Because all of klal Yisrael are really considered one big organism. The different organs in this organism. So of course I'm I'm not allowed to take nekama from the other one, and that's the yisrael din of klal Yisrael arevim zeb azeb. Marami Prague writes in one of his svarim that. Uh, The reason why we have a din of Kol Yisola Reben Zebezeh is because there is a tziruf of Kol Yisola. It's not because there is a din of Kol Yisola Reben Zebezeh. That's why there's a tziruf. No, it starts off with this pasuk. It starts off with this concept that the Rishalmi says, that all of Kol Yisola are like different organs in one organism. And this concept only applies to Bnei Yisrael. The Gemara says in the end of Maseches Nazir that the concept of tzibur only applies to Bnei Yisrael. Gemara has a certain drusha from a pasuk to establish the principle that only Jewish people are makabal tumah, um, are not makabal tumah. So the Gemara bases that din on a posik, and the assumption is that there's no concept of tzibur by um, asoylam. By um, asoylam, there are different people who relate to each other. Let's say they're uh, cousins, uncles, uh, you have families, you have big mishpachas, different people who relate to each other, but you don't have a concept of a goy, you don't have a concept of a tzibur. Tzibur means all the people constitute together constitute one organism, and it's one uma. The word goy comes from the word gave. Gavi lamak, gavi nasati lamak, and gave, gviya is a body. When you speak about a goy, you mean that the whole nation together constitutes one body. It's considered one organism. This concept of goy is only by the Jewish people. The Pasik says, we say, mincha shab is the only goy of the Jewish people. It's a little, uh, we're not used to thinking like that. We always refer to the non-Jews as Goyim. We refer to a single non-Jew as a Goy. But truth of the matter is, the Jewish people are the only ones who are a Goy. The Goyim, the non-Jews are strictly speaking not really Goyim. It's a Yiddishism. It's a Yiddishism that appears in Tanakh. But it's a, it's a Melitza. Strictly speaking, the Umas are really Mishpachos. And we have a halacha that demonstrates that this is the case. The halacha says if you have a mixed marriage, between two non-Jews, let's say a Chinese man marries a French girl. So how do you determine the status of the children in a mixed marriage? Is it determined by the father? Is it determined by the mother? So if you have my marshal, a Chinese man marries a French girl, what's the difference? Allah doesn't make any distinction between Chinese people and uh, French people. But let's say someone from Amun Amoyev marries someone not from Amun Amoyev. You have a mixed marriage or you have... Mitzri Vedoimi have a special status. Amalekim have a special status. The Zainumis have a special status. So what if you have a mixed marriage? One of the parents is one of these people. Amaleki or Knani, one of the Zainumis and so on. And the other parent is not. One is, uh, one is an Amaleki and one is a Knani. So what's the status of the children? So the Halacha, no dispute. The Halacha says, Whenever you have a mixed marriage, the status of the children is determined by the father. Why should that be so? So the Rishonim explain, this is based on the principle that appears in the beginning of Chumash Bamidbar and Parshas Bamidbar, the Mishpachoisam Levei Savoisam. If you have a mixed marriage where both parents are Jewish, one parent is Meshavit Zvulon, one parent is Meshavit Yisachar. Uh, well, let's say one of the parents is a Koyin or a Levi, and the other is not. So how do you determine the status of the children? So the Pasuk teaches us, the Mishpachoisam Levei Savoisam, Mishpacha Savkri Mishpacha, the status of the children is determined by the father, not by the mother. But if you would have, let's say, a mixed marriage 
So that's why the that's why the Gemara says that uh, if you have a mixed marriage, but one of the both parents are not Jewish, and one of the parents, let's say, is a Knaini, the other parent is an Amaleki or uh, whatever, a Mitzri, a Daimi, a Mayavi. So the status of the children is determined by the father. Why? Because there really is no such thing as a Goy, a nation, by the non-Jewish people. The Halacha says that they are Mishpachos. So when you talk about Mishpacha, so the Halacha determines that Mishpacha Sa'ar Kriyim Mishpacha. Mishpacha Sa'ar Kriyim Mishpacha. But when you have a mixed marriage where one of the parents is Jewish and one of the parents is not Jewish, and the question is not that they're all Jewish and you're trying to determine are the children Kohanim Leviim or that they belong to Shevet Yisachar or belong to Shevet Yehuda. If one of the parents is Jewish, one is not Jewish, then you have, Tesis points out, then you have three opinions in the Talmud, in the Tanoim and the Amoraim. Nobody says it depends on the father. That should have been the normal shita. So no one says the normal answer. It all depends on the father. Mishpacha Zabkri, Mishpacha. Mishpacha Zaymanikri, Mishpacha. That was introduced about 20 years ago when the conservative were discussing patrilineal descent. So they saw one of their Chachamim uh, quoted this uh, passage in the Talmud, the Talmudic dictum, that Mishpacha Zabkri, Mishpacha. Therefore, uh, the children should be determined, the status of the children should be determined by the father. None, none of the Tanoim say like that. There are three opinions among the Tanoim. <coughs> How do you determine the status of the children in a mixed marriage? So one opinion is that you have to have, both parents have to be Jewish. One opinion is either the father or the mother can be Jewish. That will determine the status of the child. And the accepted opinion is that it all depends on the mother. Why shouldn't there have been a fourth opinion? And that shouldn't have been the accepted opinion. It all depends on the father. Mishpacha Sakurim, Mishpacha. If you have a mixed marriage where both of the parents are not Jewish, so the status of the children is determined by the by the father. So why shouldn't it be the same when you have a mixed marriage? One is Jewish, one of the parents is Jewish, one is not Jewish. Why shouldn't the status of the children be determined by the father? And that's for sure not. There is no opinion in the Gemara like that, that it's only determined by the father based on Mishpacha The answer is because in order to be Jewish, you don't have to belong to the Mishpacha of the Jewish people. We have a concept of Geirus. A non-Jew can convert and he becomes Jewish. So whose Mishpacha does he belong to? Nobody's Mishpacha. A Geirish and his guy Kukot Mishanoladam is not related to anybody before. And until he gets married he's not related to any Jewish people either. So you see that it's possible to be Jewish to have the status of being Jewish without being a Mishpacha of Jews. So, so what constitutes being Jewish? It means I belong to the Klal Yisrael. I belong to the Ummah Yisraelis. So that's why all the Tanaim knew that the determining factor to determine whether the children will be Jewish in a mixed marriage cannot depend on the father. Being Jewish is not a function of being Mishpachas Yisrael. You, you, you don't have to belong to the Jewish family. There doesn't have to be any Jewish family. You can, you, you can be one person a year not be related to anybody in the world. The question is being Jewish depends on do you belong to the Klal Yisrael or not? So that's what the Tanaim thought they made an assumption that it cannot depend on the same factor that determines Mishpach. All the Tanoim agreed. It doesn't depend on Mishpach Asab. It doesn't depend on the father. So one opinion was it depends on both parents being Jewish. It has to be Jewish Mishnah. One opinion was either the father or the mother. And the accepted opinion for the last uh, 2,000 years has been, as recorded in the Mishnah. Mishnah only records one opinion. Then the Talmud records the other opinions. So the Mishnah records the accepted opinion for the last 2,000 years. That it all depends on the mother, but not on the father. This concept of tzibur, that all of Klaus saw together, joined to make a goy, one big body, 
there's like one big organism and everybody is a member of this uh, tzibur, this on the halacha says this is only by klali so by yom you don't have that in Yiddish, uh, Yiddish folklore, they assume that the word Sibur is a Rosh Tevis Tzadik in Beinanim Rishoyim, Tzadik Beis Resh. And that's why the Gemara has a cloud that on a tiniest Sibur, on a tiniest Yochid, a person has Yorzai, so he's fasting, whatever. On a tiniest Sibur, you have to have that the Sibur should participate in the tiniest. So the Gemara has a cloud called Tainest Sibur, Shem Bobi Pashi Yisrael, Eino Tainest Sibur. It's only considered, only has the status of a Tainest Sibur if you have everybody joining together the Tzadikim and the Benanim and the Rishon. So that's why on Erev Yom Kippur we know that we say We permit those who are Avaryonim who would otherwise not be permitted to participate in the davening in the Shul. Sometimes we put people in Cherem, we don't allow them to enter the Shul. We permit the Yavaryonim, the Bali to come into the Shul because we want the that Yom Kippur should be a Taina Sibur. Taina Sibur means everybody all together. So this concept of Tzibur, that everybody together constitutes one Goy, one Giviya, one, one body, this only applies to Klaalisom. It's interesting, in the morning we recite one of the Birchens Ashach Shaloh Asani Goy. Uh, this poses a serious problem because uh, most of the Rishonim assume the Abu Dram and several other Rishonim they all write <coughs> that the Nusach of the Brachas the Nusach of the Tefillah is supposed to be in Biblical Hebrew then it seems it's not so convinced and he disagrees with the whole premise of, of all of these Svarim Ibn Yarchi and the Abu Dram and all the others he's chalik on the whole assumption but that's uh, the generally accepted assumption in the Shulchan Aruch is that the Nusach of Tefillah the Nusach of Brachas it's supposed to be in a biblical Hebrew. So you say, Shaloh Asani Goy. What do you mean? We're the only one who's a Goy. That's in Yiddish, we, we, call, we refer to the non-Jews as a Goy. But strictly speaking, halachically speaking, by the, by the other nations, they're called Mishpachoy Adama. We're the only ones who are a Goy. We're the only ones who are a Goy in the sense everybody together constitutes uh, one Gviya, one body. So that's why there were many Tamid HaChachamim, Sadiqim HaChasidim, who didn't say that Nusach Abracha Shalawa Sani Goy? They quote the Chavetz Chaim didn't say. Others, others write in Svarim like that that they think that the Nusach should be Shalawa Sani Nachri or some other some other kind of a version. But it's a questionable Nusach that we say. Uh, this principle Al Kolisol Aravim Zebezeh, which is a result of the fact that we are one Goy, it's a result of the fact that Klalisol constitutes a Tzibur altogether. It's one one organism. This should have brought Jewish people to have a little more respect for each other. Uh, it's very surprising why among the Jews there's more machlekes than in any other nation. So the Marami Prague has an essay about that also. He has an essay about everything. He wrote so much about so many different times. He says that the Jews take everything so seriously and they really mean everything in Shem Shemaim. So any little sneeze that you do that I don't do, so everything is uh, discussed at length. And we have a whole pilpal. I'm supposed to hold the asterisk like this or like this. I put you in cheren because you're holding it the wrong way. We get so carried away with each other because everything by us is so serious. But take keeping this in mind yeah, fine everything is serious but take everything do everything the same time still but we should we should act like a, like a one organism we should act uh, with a little more unity the Gemara has a principle even if you have a legitimate machlokes and halacha the Beisham and the Basil had many disputes and according to the Beisil the Beisham were over on Issa Koris and many of the children were Mamzerim and the same according to the Beisham's opinion many of the children of Beisil were Mamzerim 
but they got along fantastically with each other. They were always mechabed each other, and they would marry with each other. Also, if it would be a case where, according to the other opinion, it's a mamza, so they had to notify him. This child, you can't marry this one as a mamza. According to your opinion, according to our opinion, there's nothing wrong. According to your opinion, not. But I say they got along very well. So this should really be what the Gemara says about the Bisham and the Basilah had ferocious machlekes and real fierce, fierce machlekes with each other. This should really be the dogma that we should follow, that even if we have disputes uh, with others, uh, the Aguda, with the Mizrahi, whatever, different opinions about different things, if everybody's working with the same Midrash, Atar, and the then if you're talking about some Jews believe in Moshe, people turn Misina, other Jews don't believe in Moshe, Moshe, look, people turn Misina. That's not, uh, they're not working with the same rules and regulations. They're different stories. So we understand why these people can't get along together. But if you're talking about Orthodox people, they all subscribe to Moshe Kibbal Tarmisninai. They're all working within the Midrash Atar and the This one follows Rebbe Kibbeg, and the other one follows the Hasam Seifer, so the world doesn't come to an end. So then we should assume that Elu Yelu Divili Kimchai. The Hasam Seifer was entitled to his opinion, Rebbe Kibbeg was entitled to his opinion. We should be more respectful of each other. Instead of having so many Machloikis and if it's with all, it's not within a family. You see, by the Umas Oilam, it's a big family. A family of different people who relate to each other differently. They get along, they don't get along. Children, cousins, uncles, aunts, a whole, grandparents, a whole story, great uncles and so on. But Klaus tells more than a family. It's not that they're different individuals who relate to each other. It's one Gviyah, it's one body, it's one Goy. So it's supposed to be much more Achdus. We have to work on that. Okay. Rabbi Shimon Shkop has a very fascinating comment in the introduction to his Sefer, Shari Yosha. He quotes the Mishnah in Pirkei Ovis that says, So he points out, <coughs> only HaKadosh Baruch Hu is altruistic, to do toibas for others, which are not at all a toibah for himself. He only does for others. He doesn't need anything. He's not lacking anything. HaKadosh Baruch Hu calls upon us to go in his ways except for this. We're not called upon to act in an altruistic fashion. We should do things for other people. No. We have to be selfish because human beings are human beings. We have to do things for ourselves. So that's how he interprets the Mishnah. If I'm not going to do it for myself nothing will be taken care of for me. But I shouldn't have such a outlook that selfish means I'm only doing for myself me, myself and I. I'm the only one who counts. No. If the word ani means only me, then money, that's terrible. Me means me and my family and my community and my nation and in a certain sense the whole world. Me means I'm connected with all of these. But you have to start off with a selfish attitude. People, human beings have to be selfish. He interprets uh, a comment that the Tanoi make in the Sifra, an opening posik in Parshas Kedoshim. Says, we should be, act in a holy fashion because we created the Tzelem Alakim. So we should imitate him. It means that the Midas Alakus that we have already within us, we should preserve this Midas Alakus. So the Sifra has a very fascinating comment on that opening Pasik. <coughs> so that there is a difference between the spelling of the two words. Kedoshim Tiyu, the word Kadosh can either be spelled Kuf Talad Vavshin. A kuftalachin, a modern Hebrew, we spell everything molly in the newspapers, because the Israeli newspapers, because they don't put in the kudus, so they always make everything molly, so it's easier to read. So it happens in this passage, kiddoshim to you is chaser, it does not have the vav. Kikodesh ani asham lakechim dir, it does have a vav. So the sifra has a comment on that passage, kiddoshim to you, we should act in a fashion of kiddusha. 
Yachol Kamoni, maybe someone might mistakenly think that we should act in a way of Kedusha exactly like HaKadosh Baruch don't try to act in a fashion of Kedusha that should be identical to HaKadosh Baruch it should only be imitating that of HaKadosh Baruch so what does that mean? so we understand what the Drosha was the Drosha was that we should only be Kedoshim Chosavov and Kedosh Ani is Molevov HaKadosh Baruch is Kedusha is Lamayla Mikdusha Sein but what is it driving it? of course HaKadosh Baruch is Kedusha is higher than ours how would anyone have a half minute that a human being could become as holy as God? What in the world does it mean? So Abshemishkab thinks that that's what it's referring to. That lest a human being think that Allah the Bedrochav requires of us that we should act in an altruistic fashion to do things for others that may even be detrimental to us. And that's what the Tanoim say, no, that is not the Jewish attitude at all. The Gemara has a klal. First, you have to be selfish. Human beings are human beings. We're not God. We have to do things for ourselves. But we should also, like, it may not need me, you have to be selfish, but you have to have the understanding. Shanili me. if my understanding of me is only me, then Moani, that's terrible. So I should do things for myself, but my understanding of who I am should be, I am myself, plus my family, plus my community, plus my nation, plus all of mankind, plus the whole world. I should, do, I should always do things for myself, but my extended self. But to expect of people to require of people that they should act only on behalf of others in an altruistic fashion, that's certainly not. You know that um, there was a Jewish thinker in Europe <coughs> known as Achad Am. He happened to have been an atheist, but he wrote uh, interesting essays. So at, uh, at one time there was a suggestion that in order to solve the world problem of anti-Semitism, the Jews should accept parts of the Gospels into the Holy Bible, so we should keep our mitzvahs we should keep the tayag mitzvahs a wild notion uh, and we should incorporate part of the gospels into the bible so shine. So the goyim will stop hating the Jews so Achad Ha'am writes an essay he didn't believe in anything but he writes it's not going to work it's not going to go because there are contradictions between the Jewish bible and the Christian bible so one of the, this is one of the contradictions that he points out that in the Christian religion they preach that we expect a man to be altruistic to do for other people even though it's totally against your interest. You have to do tithes for other people. And the Jewish religion preaches that that's impossible. We never expect. HaKadosh Baruch Hu is His Kedusha is Lamayla Mikdushaschem. HaKadosh Baruch Hu does things for other people that are totally not in His benefit. But human beings cannot be expected to do such a thing. So when we have an obligation to take care of other people's needs, we have a mitzvah have an obligation to take care of other people's needs as if they would have been considered my own needs. But first I have to take care of my own needs. The halacha says, Have an obligation to give tzedakah, but not to the extent to give tzedakah I should go broke. And then I have to go, I have to go accept tzedakah. That's ridiculous. The Tanaim say, you're not allowed to give too much charity. The Tanaim say, you're not allowed to give too much. We don't want you to become poor and then you'll have to take the daughter from others. That's ridiculous. First, you have to take care of yourself. And then afterwards, if you have money left, then you take care of the other people as well. I often speak uh, for NCSY, and I encourage students in the yeshiva to, to join NCSY as advisors, whatever, to help out whenever they can. But not at their own expense. There are, sometimes there are students who help out. They go every single Shabbos. They go to a Shabbaton, either here or there, or everywhere, wherever. 
and they're giving away all of their time, they're giving away their whole life for other people. And so what's left for them? So they're not passing in college, and they're not passing in their learning, they're not doing well. And everything by them is going to be uh, behind. That's ridiculous. First, you have to be selfish, you have to take care of yourself. And you have to find time to help other people also, but with a, with a limit, with a degree. Just like you're not permitted, Reb Shemesh Kaprais, just like you're not permitted to give too much tzedakah to other people, Shema Yoyoni, Itztarach Labi, so he says you're not allowed to give too much of your time away. He speaks about spending time to help others and learning Torah. He says, fine, that's wonderful. You have an obligation to give away an amount, a certain percentage of time to help other people. There's a limit. You can't give away too much of your time. You have to be selfish. Especially in the earlier years, when people are just uh, still in high school and college, are just beginning their careers. You have to work on your own career. When you're ready, you retire, then you can give away your whole life. You have nothing left to give away. And you're my age. You can give everything away. There's nothing left anymore. But for younger people, you have to work. Uh, you have to work. You have to be very selfish and work for yourself. This mitzvah, that we have to take care of other people's needs as if they were our needs, this is an extension of ourselves. We are all one organism. The halacha treats us all of Plalisol as one seba, one goy, one organism. So we have to take care of, first we have to take care of our part, and then we have to take care of the extension of ourselves. You cannot just view yourself as uh, you are alone, no? the family, with the community, with the whole nation, with all of mankind to a certain extent, everything is an extension of the Ani. So that's the nature of the mitzvah, to take care of, really to be selfish, to take care of yourself, but as part of it, as an extension of myself, I have to take care of the others as well. The obligation to give stocker these days is more serious than in the past. These, uh, we all know the Israeli government cut back on its support to uh, families for good political reasons. Okay, no one's condemning. They had good uh, explanations why they had to. Uh, but Lamaisa, there are many people in Erzul who are left without any food. They're eating uh, eggs. They're, they're drinking. They're having cheese and eggs for Shabbos. Mamish, they, ne- they never have any chicken. They never have any, uh, any, any food to eat. It's a terrible thing, so the obligation, as much as people gave in the past to Aniyim and Eretz we have to double it, we have to triple it, you have to give much more. It's interesting that Allah says, we mentioned before, one is not permitted to give more than one fifth of his total income in the course of the year to Tzedakah, and the Amar gives a logical explanation, lest he will become poor. And uh, he won't have any support for himself. He, will, he himself will have to live off of Tzedakah. So the Balatanya writes in Nigeris HaTshuva, in the end of the Tanya, he has an interesting comment. This principle of Hamavazim, Zayibazim, Yesim Chemsh, applies to Tzedakah. And then the Shulchan Aruch applies it to Mitzvahs as well. <coughs> if I have to shake a lulav, and I'm in Alaska, and I can't just take a lulav for my next-door neighbor. There is no next-door neighbor. So I can either fly into Seattle, have them fly out a dollar mina to Alaska, whatever. And that's going to cost me a fortune of money. It'll cost, it's Erev Yontif. I didn't plan in advance Erev Yontif. And if I don't spend $100,000 now, I won't be able to shake a little bit. $100,000 is more than Chaymish. So am I obligated to spend that amount of money? So I said, Shulchan no. no. I'm not mechuyif to spend so much money uh, <coughs> in order to fulfill the mitzvah. So the Balatanya says, that what if Rahman al a person is sick and he needs surgery? And it costs more than Chaymish. Uh, <laughs> so you're going to say, not Mechuyiv. Wait, not Mechuyiv to spend all the money. 
So, of course, you have to spend all the money. You have to go rob a bank also. You have to go snore money from the other people also. If, they're not gonna, if the doctors are not going to do the surgery, unless you cough up the money quickly, so you have to do whatever you can in order to save your life. He points out that the Rishanim say like that. That's a double posh. You don't need it. Folks who come from the Yov like that. People give the last penny. And they have more than the last penny in order to take care of their own uh, health problems. So the Balatanya writes that he, he suggests that maybe this one is not permitted to give more than Chaymish, more than one-fifth of his total savings or his total income with a, with a first time uh, um, on your savings. So first time you give, you give on your savings. Next time you give, you give on your additional income that you gained in the course of the year. So he says, this only applies when you're stamped fulfilling the mitzvah of tzedakah. What if a person feels that he has to give tzedakah? He knows that he's a sinner. And he thinks that by giving tzedakah, this will be farech and So he wants to save his life. So that's a different story. If he's giving tzedakah, not just l'shem mitzvah tzedakah, he wants to give the tzedakah in order to save his life. Then he thinks that this limitation, doesn't apply. And such a bad idea. Some people realize that they need a lot of schusim, so uh, they should take a cough up more money. They should give. Uh, they should give more stocking. We have an obligation to spend time to help other people as well. A lot of times, the students in the yeshiva have a lot of problems. The normal students don't have any problems. They usually they talk to me in learning, you know. But uh, sometimes uh, students have all kinds of problems. So they need someone to be friendly with them. So I don't have all day long to speak to the students. So sometimes I'll spend five minutes with this problem, five minutes with the other guy with his problem, five minutes. I don't really solve their problems. I help them a little bit that they need someone to be friendly with. So I'm, I'm friendly with them. They come over, they pour their heart out. So I go, okay, I'll give them five minutes worth. Maybe it would make more sense instead of spending five minutes with 20 people that I should spend uh, a half an hour with this one and a half an hour with that one I'll, I'll solve his problem not just solve his little problem then he needs a little friendship I'll listen to his whole story by Rikas and I'll, and I'll guide him what he should do there are some rabbis in the that do that they spend hours with, with students who have problems long, long hours and they solve all of their problems they, or they try to help them you know, they guide them in life a lot of times, let's say you give tzedakah. So, so many people come there, everybody needs tzedakah. So if I'm going to give five dollars to everyone, I'm not going to accomplish anything. What's he going to get with the five dollars? He's going to get another couple of dollars here, another couple. If I'll give a large sum to this one, a large sum to that one, so then I'll help this person. I can't help everybody, but it'll be, sometimes it'll be more meaningful if you give a larger donation to one person or to one organization rather than to give two dollars to every organization that sends you a letter in the mail. A lot of times it's a good idea, to, rather than to spend a few minutes with every nudnik, with every person who comes over who has a slight problem, and you just help them in the sense that yeah, you gave them a listening ear and they know that, uh, that you're their friend. Sometimes it would make more sense to spend more time with fewer people and really help them and really guide them. Of course, we are familiar with the Inyan of Kira of Rechoikim. There's Inyan of Kira of Kroivim also. 
we have to call this all our requires of us that we should do whatever we can to see to it that all of the Jews fulfill the mitzvahs we assume the Shach writes in his the Shach wrote a listing of what he considers the 613 mitzvahs so he writes that the being the care of other people is part of the mitzvah of Hashavah Sadeida. Morris says in Sanhedrin that if a person lost a, a nickel in the mitzvah of Hashavah Sadeida, you have to go out of your way to give him back his nickel. He lost a balloon, you have to go get back the balloon, give him back his balloon. So Kalbachaymer, if the person himself is lost, the Gemara has a situation where a person is lost in a forest, you have to try to help him. Uh, regain his bearings and get out of the forest. The same applies a person is lost in life, a person is lost in the sense of religious observance, he's a lost soul. So you have to bring him back to himself. So certainly the mitzvah of Kira Rechoikim are unfortunate today. Unfortunately today we live in a generation we have to do Kira Rechoikim. We have people who learn in yeshivas in high school and college. You have people who are learning in yeshivas half a day and they also need a lot of iskarvas. They're also weak in Shemiraz mitzvahs. So this is also part of this principle of it is our responsibility to invite these people over for Yom Kippur invite them to come to Shul of Yom Kippur invite them over for Shabbos once in a while to have your table every single Shabbos to have people who are not religious coming in uh, is going to pose a major problem look you have your own children you have to raise you can't, uh, it's uncomfortable on, on Rosh Hashanah we didn't know what we were getting ourselves into. Someone asked that we should be Makar a certain girl who lives in the neighborhood. So my wife thought it's a 15-year-old girl who was going to high school. Turns out the girl is in her 20s. She's engaged to marry a non-Jew. So she came to our home with her umbrella on, on Leil Rosh Hashanah. And then she brought us a box of non-kosher chocolates as a matana. <laughs> and then we were sitting and talking at the table. So we, we didn't even get to the benching. So she said, okay, thank you very much. And she left. She left in the middle. We didn't. Uh, we had some boys from the yeshiva over, so so one of the boys started to tell over a story. Uh, <coughs> Shlomo Kalbach has uh, one of his uh, stories that he met this stewardess on the on the uh, airplane, and the stewardess uh, was davening mincha or something, and then she struck up a conversation with him. So she was pouring her heart out that she's uh, she wants to marry a boy who's a gear, and her parents insist she she's not allowed to marry the gear. So Shlomo Kalbach said that he promised the girl that he's going to call the parents and try to speak. So he called the girl's parents and he couldn't get the first base. Then he called the boy's parents and they said they're willing to meet to discuss or whatever. So the two, the two parents, uh, you may know the story, the two parents met in the room. So one, one the father says to the other, Chaim, the other one says, Yassel. It turns out that, that's the way the story goes anyway, it turns out that they, were, they learned Bechabrusa in the yeshiva before the war. And after the war, and they, and they were such good chaverim, they decided when they get married, the children, they were, one, they were both boys, they couldn't marry each other, so they made up, when they're going to marry, they're going to have children, the children will marry each other. So after, the, after going through the war, so one of them decided he's going to make believe that he's a guy. So he and his wife never told their son that they were Jewish. And then the son decided on his own, he wanted to convert, so that was the gear. The gear was the son of the Harus. So this Bacha, Yeshiva Bacha, was telling the way he enjoyed the story from Shlomo Kalbach that the, the girl was engaged to marry a, a non-Jewish boy who had converted. So this girl pipes up in the middle. Well, she's engaged to marry a non-Jew. So, so we, got, we got to try to be macabre these people also. Okay? We didn't, we didn't realize uh, what, we, what we were supposed to do. We didn't realize. You have to try to be macabre all these people. You can't have these people over every Shabbos, every Yantav. If you have children, yeah, you have to have You have to lead your own uh, normal life. 
but once in a while you have to try and if, and if we can't do it all the time we, there are organizations, there are people who are inviting these, these people over you have to invite them to come to shul, make it comfortable have them come for Yom Kippur, have them come for sukkah invite them to your sukkah to have a piece of cake, to, to have a lachaim, to have something the people, many of these people will be very happy <coughs> they're just looking for a little friendship, they're looking for a little uh, religion they're looking for a little uh, spirituality so we really have a, we really have an obligation to be in the care of all of these people. It's not that it's a, it's a stranger, it's an outsider. This is an extension of ourselves. This is the principle of Koli Solar Several of the Rishonim give that marshal of many people going on a ship and one fellow is drilling a hole in the bottom of the boat and all the other people on the ship say, Meshuggah, what are you doing? He says, mind your own business, I'm drilling the hole in my cabin. So they say, what do you mean in your cabin? The water's going to come up and the whole boat is going to sink. Everybody's going to die. So the Rishonim give this as a marshal for this principle of Koli Sola Rebim That's exactly what the principle means. That we are all one organism. And if one organ is going to be uh, gangrenous, if one person is not going to be observant, he's going to be uh, marry this uh, non-Jewish person, so it's going to affect uh, the rest of us. It has an effect on everybody. We have an obligation to try to be mikarit. In fact, in the Gemara, there are rules that you even kaifen, you kaif ala mitzvah. If a person is not interested in fulfilling mitzvah, a person is doing averis, so you even kaif for them. So we don't go that far today. The Chazanish explains that this would be totally uh, misunderstood. You have all of the Muslims are doing like that. They're uh, terrorizing the whole world. They're trying to pressure everybody to subscribe to Islam. So if the Jews are going to, you're going to have the religious Jews, the Orthodox Jews are going to terrorize everybody, pressure everybody, you have to fast on Yom Kippur, and we're going to beat you up. Medina de Gemara, that's what you do. But you're going to terrorize people today, so they're going to make fun of the whole religion, it will not be understood as an act of Kfiyah and Mitzvah, it'll just be understood as a bunch of Mishagoyim, who are running a, a lunatic uh, religion. The Chazanish points out that the principle that we have in the Gemara, sometimes Maridim below Malin, the Gemara has a strange, uh, unusual principle, Sometimes you have to kill a person who is violating an Aveir if he's breaking the discipline of the whole Jewish community. Apikurus said, that doesn't apply, but man is that, what, are you going to kill the 50% of the Jewish community? You're going to kill the one person, they'll say you're a Meshuggah. It'll, it'll be detrimental to the whole religion. So all of these is, this is Makami Anshin, L'Tzorach HaShor. That's only if it makes sense, because man is that certainly doesn't make sense. But there are methods that have been developed that people know how to be makar of others. If, if maybe we don't know how to do it. A little bit we know how to do it. We don't know how to discuss intelligently the Jewish religion. The one is not so observant. So at least we should give money to support these organizations and to support, the, to support those people who are doing this work. This is certainly one of the serious inyanim that we have to think about now that we just read Parshas Nitzovim and we reviewed that mitzvah we certainly have to fulfill this obligation in the area of giving more stalker where it's needed in the area of supporting those rechokim who need a lot of iskarvus and stop chizuk to be mechazik each other in the community to be friendlier with each other it should look like it's a goy it should look like it's an umah yisraelis if we are the only ones that have the status of a tzibur and the other nations don't have this. The other nations don't want to consider mishpachas. And we are tzibah. Tzibah means tzadikim beinanim irishayim. Everybody, that's the halacha that on Yom Kippur, a tiny tzibah, shame on me, poshi, so, a tiny tzibah. That means the halacha requires of us. 
You can't isolate these. The halacha doesn't permit the observant Jews to isolate themselves from the non-observant, from the anti-religious. We have to join together. We can't join together all the time and make life uh, miserable. But uh, to the best of our ability, we have to try to join together with the others. So especially on Yom Kippur, when the kapor is a kapor is a tzibur, the Rishonim says. So certainly on Yom Kippur, it's a yom of ahava, v'yachva, v'reyus, a day of friendship. We have to be mechazek ourselves in this sinyan of Kol Yisrael HaRavim Zebazer. I want to wish everybody a gmachzim and a good gebenched yom.